You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. From the 45-yard line, Manning fires downfield for Russell Shepard, and the former Panther makes the catch. He was not touched. Touchdown, Giants! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Oh, Grump. What'd you do today? <laughs> I got I sat outside for a while, got a nice tan. I uh, I got a nice tan myself today. Uh, had a nice drink at the Jameson Bar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've also watched, you know, a team in the midst of a rebuild and okay. the pains that that's going to suffer. And I also, something that pained me more was seeing how this giant fan base either doesn't accept that we are in a rebuild or just does not like the results of what happens when you're in a rebuild. Well, that's that's kind of going to have to be the topic for today. You're probably wondering on this Monday morning, why are you hearing the grump and the cranky fan talking giant football and not on a Tuesday? Well, we were so fired up after the game today, we can't sleep, and we figured we could knock the show out tonight. We're recording this on Sunday evening about 10.30 Eastern time. That's right. These 1 o'clock games are a little bit easier for us to um, get situated, get organized, and throw together a podcast right on the heels of the game versus, uh, you know, last year there were a lot more night games. There was, you know, Monday games. Um, You know, call it what you will. Maybe the Giants aren't uh, as prime time as they used to be, but it makes for a lot easier of a a quicker podcast. So you can look on the bright side of things. Yeah. So going forward, if there is a one o'clock home game, we will most likely have our recap show each week available, hopefully. So when you drive to work on a Monday, Um, 430 games, primetime games, Monday games, we'll probably stick to our usual schedule of having them available on Tuesday mornings, but uh, for this week, happy Monday, and five more days of work, so sorry about that. Yeah, bummer. So we are on the heels of uh, a couple hours away, removed from another loss, 28-14 to to Buffalo at home. Um, About as bad as you thought, a little bit worse, a little bit better. What do you think? There were some things I saw improvements with, and there are some things that are going to take a lot longer to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, this defense is the biggest problem on this team, and it's going to be a very long – it's going to take a long time for this team to gel defensively. There are a lot of young parts. There are a lot of parts that uh, just are not communicating yet, and I think you got guys that are young that are – swimming in it right now and it's very evident watching them on the field doesn't mean they don't have talent doesn't mean we haven't addressed on the short term or longer term you know how to fix this team but they're gonna have to play and when a lot of guys are playing at the same time they're in that same boat this is what you're going to see you're going to see average to maybe slightly below average offenses make you look foolish yeah, and that's, that's kind of what we did see today. And by foolish, it's not so much bad coverage so much as wrong coverage. You know, we're seeing guys wide open without people even on the TV screen, I'm sure. Um, they're just miscommunications. And uh, 
you know, for for I mean, it's not just miscommunications. Actually, I legitimately think that DeAndre Baker, in particular, not to pick on him, but he just simply looks sometimes like he's guessing at what he's supposed to be doing out there. He hasn't adjusted to the speed of the game. He spent a significant amount of time not playing in preseason. So, you know, it, it's just. I, I said this before, you know, I said this before the season started. There's a lot of new young pieces in the secondary, and it's going to take time for them to work those things out. And um, I expect that on a week to week basis, we're going to see the secondary change. It's going to look a little bit, maybe a little bit better some weeks, a little bit worse other weeks, but it's going to look different from week to week. You're not going to get the same group of guys. They're going to get. More experienced, they're going to understand things a little bit more. And some weeks they're going to go up against weak opponents, and some weeks they're going to go against really good opponents. And uh, it's just it's part of watching a rebuild process take place. It's like watching a kid learn to walk. It's going to be a lot of falling. Let me tell you something, Grump. Let's talk about more even about today, but philosophically, what giant ownership, giant management, and giant coaching has committed to for this year, 2019. They are all in for the rebuild on defense. You know, they've committed to it, you know, the way they've got rid of salaries of players that are not going to help them in the long term, you know, in, a, in an attempt to bring payroll down in the future and everything. They've committed to the rebuild with a guy like Saquon Barkley. They've committed to a rebuild with the, the whole offensive line. But for some reason, at the quarterback position, they made the organizational decision. They are sticking with Eli Manning because they felt he was the best chance for them to win. And I stick to they are not going to bring in Daniel Jones until they think they are no longer going to make the playoffs. And it's something where I didn't put all the pieces really together until this weekend, thinking about it. Why are they all in on most of the aspects of this team, but why did they think that – why didn't they go in 100 percent by making the decision to at least prep Daniel Jones to play much sooner than further out in this year? I think Daniel Jones' time, it, it's going to be – first of all, it's not going to come before wide receivers have returned. So don't expect it before Golden Tate comes back from suspension or Sterling Shepard comes back from concussion, or you know Cody Latimer suffered a concussion in this game. Who knows how long he'll be out? Don't expect it before then. I mean, you're not going to set this guy up to fail. And today, Eli Manning played with future janitors at wide receiver. Um, you know, Daniel Jones' time is when Pat Shermer and Dan Shula have prepared Daniel Jones to start. Not a moment before that. Sticking him in in the second quarter of a game because Eli can't seem to find his rhythm after he hasn't taken any first-team reps or, you know, whatever in practice leading up to in the week is setting him up for failure. And I don't think that they're prepared to do that with an investment that they made. And let's even take that further back that he had not been prepped for this moment from the start of the first rookie OTA. That was not their game plan. And – they're not all of a sudden going to throw a guy out there who's not ready. And not ready meaning, you know, knowing the whole playbook. The whole, exactly, the whole playbook. Being ready to 
react. I mean, every I've heard somebody tell me today, well, I saw enough of him. So I think he's ready. No, you haven't. You watched the most controlled scenario in preseason, which are not even games. Yeah, there's you no saw, repercussions for screwing up in preseason for him. You saw Daniel Jones playing with a first-team offensive line against second- and third-team defensive lines and, and secondaries that were not blitzing, defenses that were not game-planning against the Giants, and put in situations where he was going to succeed. The Giants, you know, they did one thing well, and it, and the inadvertent thing is something bad. They turned the public perception of Daniel Jones' draft pick from being an embarrassment, a joke, why they do that, they don't know what they're doing, and they, they swung the pendulum too far to like, hey, why isn't he playing right now from what I saw? Nobody who listens to this show has the inside information of what goes on every single practice, every single quarterback film study, every single coach's evaluation. You saw a little – you saw a dog and pony show, and he he passed that test for the, the – for the most part, I mean, nobody brings up the fact that he had two fumbles in that one game and a fumble when he played last week. Mm. Same situation that people are killing Eli for right now, that we, whenever he gets hit, he fumbles. The guy actually has a higher fumble rate than Eli, you know, if you consider those games. So I understand everybody's frustration with Eli, and he is going to be the scapegoat for this team, even though this defense in the middle of a rebuild is a sieve. At this point, but it's not going to be a question of after this drive or, oh, he missed that guy or even balls that are bouncing off guys fingertips. They're not making the change right now. It's going to be an organizational decision between Merrick, Gettleman, Shermer. And also the grump and the cranky fan as well will be right. you know, advisors, but they are going to say. Our quest for the playoffs, our quest to win right now has ended. We are now going to prepare Daniel Jones to start. They are not just throwing him in and saying, go for it. You look good in a preseason game four weeks ago. And I don't know when that decision is going to be made. My original thought, and I said it all offseason on this show on Twitter, was – when they're eliminated from the playoffs, this process will begin. I'm starting to think that whole process is going to push forward because this team is not just not making the playoffs. This team is going to battle Miami for being the worst team in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. But whether it's week three or week 13 or 2020, it won't happen before that they've spent a significant amount of time preparing him, making sure that he knows – the entire playbook, he knows the entire game plan, and he's gotten significant reps in for the week. And by significant, I mean all of them. I don't think there's going to be a scenario where he splits reps with Eli. I think this will be a situation where Monday or Tuesday, the news comes out that Jones is starting the next game. And that whole week, Jones is getting the first team reps. Just like what happened when Geno Smith started. So, I, I just... It, it is what it is, and I <clears throat> I understand that watching a rebuild take place and sitting through an off-season of rebuild are different things. I mean, 
you know, when you, you, you can cheer for your off-season acquisitions and trades and, and you can complain about your off-season acquisitions and trades, but actually seeing them in action is a lot tougher to grasp and I, I get that from people. But at a certain point, if, if you can't bear to watch it, you don't have to. I mean, you can you can save me a lot of frustration by not tweeting because you're not watching the game because you know that this isn't going to be a good year. That's fine. Or just, or just don't go to the games and don't bother us by sitting around it and, you know, having ass cramps for every incomplete pass and every yeah. turnover and every blown coverage. Look, I, mean, I, I don't. I can't tell you how many tweets I've seen that said I'm done with this team. Okay, go be done. You sound like an idiot when you watch every week and say the same thing. And you know something? To be done implies that you think that they will never fix what's happening. If if you can't see, you're not going to see the tangible results in wins and losses. And even right now, the eye test telling you things are getting better. But it starts with cleaning up the mess of a roster, cleaning up your cap situation, cleaning up if you are missing draft picks. Then it goes to acquiring talent. And the way to build in this league is acquiring talent through the draft, which means when these draft picks come onto your team, they are raw green rookies. This is not the SEC. This is not the Big Ten. Some of these guys come from these scrub schools that happen to be standouts. It, they're taking an incredible leap in talent against them. You have to understand that rebuilds cannot be rushed. They experience has to be earned, and it sucks. I mean, I was on the train to the Meadowlands this morning thinking that we are probably going to lose and lose badly to a team that's not very good in this league. But do I look at the, the talent level on this team? And But, you know, it is set up for longer-term success, not immediate-term success. And I've already turned my brain off to worrying about, oh, we got to, you know, this is not helping us win today. I don't care about this season for wins and losses. We are invested as fans for the long-term. People that aren't are the bandwagon assholes you see who trot out their cowboy jerseys when they're good, who have the reversible Cleveland Cavalier, L.A. Laker, you know, NBA jerseys. They don't do rebuilds because they're bandwagon frontrunners. I believe the people listen to this show and the people we interact with on Twitter in meaningful conversation are lifelong diehard giant fans. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when when you watch a rebuild happen and you, you see how it grows and how it gets – how a team can get better, you don't always see it in the wins and losses column. You know, ignore that. You, it, it, I, I know it's tough, but you have to understand that this team is not competing, and you have to look for the individual improvements as they come. Now, exactly. I, I, I saw a tweet that said, and this is specifically related to that, that said, I've been told by countless people that this is year two of a three-year rebuild. In rebuilds, you usually see improvement. Where is the improvement? If you can't see how much different this offensive line is from last year, I really don't know how to help you. Yes, the scoreboard looks pretty similar to last year. Maybe the defense looks worse than it did last year. But if you can't see that this, whichever quarterback drops back to pass has more time, 
that Barkley doesn't have to make moves five yards behind the line of scrimmage, I don't know how to help you. Yeah, I mean, just just the eye test with Barkley alone. Remember last year, there's a lot of times he just had simply nowhere to go. Yeah. I mean, look at his look at his run chart from a game from last year to this year. You're not seeing many Barkley minus twos, Barkley no gains. You are seeing forward progress in everything he's doing, and that's gonna make him go from, you know, the the amazing talent he is to that next level of, you know, best in the league. And also, you know, Eli Manning today for now people are just looking for excuses to 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 kill the guy, but for the most part, he had time to throw. He had time to throw. I mean, he was hit a couple of times. Um, He was pressured a couple couple of times. Yeah, he moved around a couple of times, but that's that's something (laughs) to understand is that everybody's hit a couple of times. Everybody's pressured a couple of times. But the thing is, you know, there is, you said, I I was told by countless people that we're in year two of a three-year rebuild. First of all, who are these countless people telling you? Did did he have a meeting with uh, Gettleman and Gettleman tell this one schmuck with fifty five followers, but hasn't told the media, or hasn't had a you know? There's been no leaks from inside the uh, Quest Diagnostic Center that it's a three year plan. I, I haven't heard anything about this being a three year plan. Rebuild rebuilds have a time timetable. No. No. And what does three years signify? So that means if Daniel Jones doesn't take one snap this year, next year he has one year to prove himself and the rebuild's over, and we should expect being in the playoffs from a rookie quarterback? Hmm, interesting. Well, I think the other thing is, like, where's your measure of the the rebuild ending? Do they have to repeat back-to-back years of going to the playoffs? Does the rebuild end after going to the playoffs one time? I mean, you could fall backwards into the playoffs. Shit, the Seahawks did it one year. They went in there with an 8-8 eight eight record. Yeah. I, I mean... The rebuild is an eye test, and um, it, there's no definition of what means when you're back or good. You just are. <laughs> and once you're good, it takes a different sort of roster management to continue being good year after year. You don't just get a good roster and just have it. It doesn't stay like that forever. It needs continual upgrades, maintenance. Players need to be sacrificed. Players need to be obtained. You know. Wheels deals, it it just don't compare yourself. There there is no there's no benchmark. There's no flag. You'll know it when you see it. When this team is good, they're not good yet. It's getting there. And the, and the Giants have had such a strange history in the last ten years, where they won two Super Bowls, but you would hardly say this team was a dynasty. You'd hardly say this team was, you know, the the glory years of this team. <laughs> It's you know they made that they won the Super Bowl, but they also didn't make the playoffs all around it. Well, I mean that's sort of a different topic. I think I think the '08 team had a real shot at the Super Bowl before there was a shot in the leg. I think yeah. that '09 would have went totally differently if '08 didn't go the way it was. 2010, that team was destined for the playoffs, and they shot themselves in the foot by uh, giving up to the Eagles. You know, I so think between '07 and '11. There yeah. was an actual shot. They had built the roster for a dynasty that just went to pieces. I mean, but, if this team went those yeah. two Super Bowl years, you know, one year lost in the wild card, one year lost in the divisional series, what would people be saying about the Giants? You know, everybody's perception of Eli would be different. First of all, Eli would not be in the picture right now if those things didn't happen. That's Perhaps, a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, and, and second of it, it'd be like this team has been fumbling around now for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be very, and maybe who knows? Maybe you know, there is no kind of tree with like Gettleman coming back here. Maybe it's a whole different set of players that were. You know, involved. Coughlin may not be here for as long as they have. History is completely rewritten. Of course, if those two singular events happened. Look, but I like Back to the Future just as much as you do, but you know, it doesn't really what? matter. Time is. It doesn't matter what could have been, what is, what was. It Wait just is minute, what it Grump. is. Grump likes Back to the Future. Yeah, whatever. whatever. He likes the trilogy better than uh-huh. I like the Godfather trilogy. Oh, that'll be a, that will be a separate episode next off season or when the Giants get eliminated from the playoffs in early October. But we so be on the lookout for that one. Look, no no amount of playing with time can change the fact that this team is trying to recover from like ten years of bad roster management. It just is what it is. Um, I don't know what's so surprising about all of this. This is exactly what we could have envisioned. This is the the GM comes in, he drafts a running back at two overall, and then he revamps the offensive line and the defensive line. The defensive line, I would say, is playing about as good as it was last year on half the salary. You know, Damon Harrison's not here anymore. Olivier Vernon's not here anymore. There are no big contracts in the front seven, save. Uh, Alec Ogletree, who was acquired in a trade, and that that contract was already part of the deal. Um, that's sort of a separate thing, but the point is, you, you're Damon Harrison, you're Olivier Vernon. The big contracts that this organization handed out, wrote the check for, those are gone, and they're playing about the same as they were last year. Okay, so you can file that under small improvement. And for the record, that that small amount, that run defense, played pretty well the last two weeks. Um. The offensive line suddenly looks like a competent one. We haven't seen that in a long time. So I don't know where the mysticism is in all of this. What is confusing? Where is the mystery here? The mystery is that the things that people eyeballs look at the most are where the ball is. They look at the guy who's throwing it. They look at the guys who are trying to cover it in the secondary. And when you're at the game, everybody kind of watches the ball and then reacts later. And then, you know, the smart fan goes back and kind of does his, you know, watches the replay, follows smart people, what their takes are and everything. But I think what it is, is the biggest problems that this team has right now are the fact that they can't cover anybody in the secondary. And that's something that's just – those type of mistakes are – they pop out of the screen at you. you know. And, and the second thing is you know, not as much as Eli's fault as people want that this team has absolutely no passing game save for dump-offs and quick little passes that go seven or eight yards. They just see it and they just freak out. And you know, the people that you know, overreact who have a narrative in their head – that it's time to move on from Eli are just use they're gonna sculpt what they see and help build their case. So you can't piss against the wind. I always say that. And when the wind is against your face about something, don't try to argue against it because you're not gonna make these guys' minds up. Do we all Grump and I will agree with every single person on Twitter and every single person in that stadium 
that Eli's time is just about up. Yeah. We're not apologists. No. We just – we want people to be rational and when that transition is going to happen and how they are going to do it and what we believe ownership management and coaching is thinking about for when that process is going to start. I think that what they will do is, again, push it a little forward. But believe me, there will be an announcement that we are getting Daniel Jones ready to play. That's what I'm saying. Because they they also understand that by mid-October, there could be 40,000, 50,000 empty seats in that stadium. And the ones that will be there will be for the opposing fans. This fan base is this close to just checking out for this year and until they see improvement. So they are going to make it very well known we are beginning the process of the transition. That doesn't mean you're going to see Daniel Jones on the field four days from now or four days from that announcement. It's saying he's going to take more first-team reps in practice. We are throwing more stuff in the playbook at him. You will see him more, you know, garbage time in a game might be 11 minutes in the fourth quarter as opposed to four minutes left in the fourth quarter. But you are going to see signs, and you will be made well aware when they're going to do it. And then they will make that decision of when they'll finally pull the ripcord on Eli and say, your team, babe, let's go. But it's not going to be, wow, Eli's thrown, you know, he's two for eight for 20 yards and a pick in the first quarter, bring in Jones. Absolutely not going to happen. I think that what's really important here is that it's really easy to bitch and whine like a child because you don't have something right now. As soon as this process came into place, when you fire head coach, fire coordinators, fire GM, bring in new guys, you think, oh, the worst of it is finally done. Things kind of always get a little bit worse before they get better. It's just sort of how it is. I mean, not that I have any experience in this, but it's it's if you're addicted to a drug, you're in a bad state. When you decide to get clean, it sucks a lot worse before you start feeling better. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. So we can all sit here and piss and moan, or you can just accept the season for what it is, along with last season, and you look for the things to get you know, excited about and happy about. And it's not as fun as having a competitive team, but this is what you signed up for when you dump everything and start over. Look, the Giants fans have been spoiled for many years that have not had to go through this and have somehow remained somewhat competitive in the league. Somewhat competitive. You know, discounting the some of the Ben McAdoo time and a little bit of... But even in 2015, you know, that team was competitive even against an undefeated Carolina Panthers team. They had no business even being competitive with. You know, there have been organizations such as the Buffalo Bills that have been in a constant state of rebuild almost my entire lifetime. Those fuck nuts are talking today like you would think they were the Patriots. It's like very, very chirpy and very, very mouthy for an organization that's really been the ass of this league for literally my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 
you guys can piss and moan, but people don't care. They're not going to – they don't want to hear it. Think about Browns fans. I mean, you you call an organization that has never had anything. I mean, that's it, man. Yeah. It just – just suffer through it. You know, watch the game. Look for little things that look nice. And, you know, hopefully next year we take the NFC East by storm because we continue making the right moves. Hopefully the secondary gets their shit together. By the way, just because there's, you know, communication issues in the secondary or whatever does not mean that there is a lack of talent there or that the scheme is incorrect, though it might be a little complicated at this moment. It just needs time to sink in. It's just give it time. I know there is no time because we've already started the season, but that's the nature of the league, and that's the nature of the situation when you completely throw everything in the garbage and then get all new things. It just another, takes time. And here's another problem too, Grump, is that we have three people at the head of this organization, Mara, Gettleman, Schirmer, who are not very good communicators. They are not message sellers. Well, I mean, that's space. that's a good criticism of Dave Gettleman. I can understand the frustration with him because he's got that sort of arrogance about him that he knows more than you and that you need to trust him and he's got the resume. I get it. He's not wrong, but there's a way to say that to people who are screaming and yelling that well, makes them stop screaming and yelling. I want to go back to the town hall we went to back in what was that? June, July, whenever that was. At the Beacon Theater. That was an excellent opportunity with your most passionate fan base, the season ticket holder, the ones every person in that room not only buys season tickets, has bought a PSL. So they are obviously invested in this team to, you know, have a little real talk and say, this is our plan. We, this is where we are. This is what we want to do. This is how we are doing it. This is our projected timelines for when we think this is that. People in that room may not want to hear it, but I think a lot of the majority of the Giant fan would come away from there thinking, okay, my expectations are realistic right now. We came out of there with the typical pumping smoke up your ass session that we've gone to every time we've been to this thing. And, you know, you talk about Gettleman having that little I'm the smartest guy in the room thing. Well, Shermer, I think, is an absolutely awful communicator. Oh, terrible. Terrible. So, you know, I honestly don't know what their plan is. I know from a roster building standpoint what Gettleman is trying to do philosophically, but I don't know what this team, what they think at all. You know, are they are they really serious that they are still trying to win games and try to make the playoffs? If they do, they're either super delusional or just plain full of shit. Or are they already ahead thinking that way? I mean, is it a crime to say we are in rebuilding mode and this is what we are going to do? We're trying we're gonna to try to be competitive, but we are you know, it's a difference between tanking. Don't confuse the two things that I'm talking about here. Tanking is we are losing on purpose. We want the number one draft pick. Giants aren't doing that. This is not a tank. They're going to get a good draft pick just because they're, this team's not going to win a lot of games. But th- their goal is not to lose games. Their goal is development of the talent that they have now. But 
that is a garbled message based on the things that Shermer and Gettleman say. And I think, I think we have a, both, a lot of adults in this giant fan base. We have a lot of babies. We have a lot of adults too. And I think they have to have a mea culpa and just say, this is, if you haven't, you can tell by this point, this is where we are now. And this is what our plans are going forward. You'll build credibility from a management and coaching standpoint where, quite frankly, a lot of people don't have much credibility in them and faith in them at this moment. I, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, look, I was hired for a job. I'm coming here to your roster. It's not a very good roster. I'm going to make it better. It's going to take some time, but we'll get competitive. And in the meantime, we'll do our best to win. You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I'm – by nature, a straight shooter and not an ass kisser. Anyway, um, you know, and there are plenty of there are plenty of friendly outlets where that can be done. That can be done in an exclusive interview on Giants.com. That can be done from one of the beat writers that is more sympathetic to the plight than others are. I mean, I'm not going on Francesca's show and doing this. I'm doing this on somewhere where it's going to get a positive spin because you know. Just because you're telling the truth doesn't mean it can't be said in a positive way. And But I, I definitely think there's a real gap between – a credibility gap between what the fans and the media think and what these guys are trying to do. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's the biggest fault I actually have in all of this is that it seems to be unclear to fans whether or not this is a rebuild and what to expect. Um, you know, I'm confused myself as a fan. I see – like I said at the start of the show – I see a complete rebuild on defense right now, but I see a quarterback who's past their prime. Why isn't that that position part of the rebuild now? And why hasn't it been prepared since before the season since it is the most difficult position on the team? So if I'm having trouble with that, God knows what uh, Frankie Lunchbox thinks, who just is, is you know, heads exploding on every incomplete pass. I, I'm completely with you. Um you know, one of the things is with this rebuild is, you know, are, are we supposed to be seeing an improvement? <laughs> I, I and this has just come with with logical expectations. Are we supposed to be seeing an improvement after two games with a heavy investment at wide receiver not playing due to suspension, a heavy investment at wide receiver not not playing uh, due to a concussion? Uh, your sixth overall draft pick not playing at this time as he gets ready. I mean, are you expecting an improvement after two games? I mean, at a certain point, I, I understand the plight of, uh, you know, Frankie Lunchbox over here who doesn't pay as much as attention and for some reason doesn't listen to this show and only knows what he reads in the, the brief little blurbs and talks to his buddies at work. Um, you know, expects his team to be competitive every year and we've gone out and got these pieces, etc., but there's also a personal responsibility of some measure of uh, critical thinking. Um, you know, you take a six overall pick and he hasn't played yet, for better or for worse, it doesn't matter. But do you expect there to be a significant improvement yet? You know, you've got two guys that you've spent a lot of money on, both of whom did not play in this game. One hasn't played at all yet this year due to a suspension. You know, it just... It's- it's expectation setting is what it is, and I think – But you don't expect nah, – you don't make expectations after two games. Come on. It's a long season. No, I mean expectation going into this season of what you should expect I'm talking about. I'm not making – I mean anybody who's making you know the hot take of is this team improved after two games is foolish. 
But I think the people that are most bent right now came into the season thinking that this team is better than it is. And they're the ones who were pissed off the most. They just weren't prepped for what would lie ahead of them. And I think a lot of that, which is kind of ironic because if you read anything from Eddie hot take guy or quote unquote football insider, they all told you this is a horrible team. <laughs> so I just think it's a lot of just delusionment and just denial about you know, what this team actually is. If you want your improvements, I'll give it to you. Saquon Barkley ran the ball 18 times today. Okay? 18 times. How was that over last week? Much better. Okay. 107 yards. I don't think he got hit in the backfield more than maybe once. He had a touchdown. Three catches for another 30 yards. Okay? There's your improvement. TJ Jones signed off the street to come in to help with due to the, the Sterling Shepard injury. Three catches for 38 yards. Okay, whatever. One of them is a touchdown. Punt return for 60 yards. Should have been another score. Fluke interception, maybe a little bit on Manning for keep throwing low. It's got tipped at the line of scrimmage or whatever. But should that should have been setting up points before the half right there. There was a huge play, and if the, if the Giants did come out in this game with a win, would have probably been a turning point in the game. I'm going to say special teams with the exception of the Rojas missed field goal. There's that and the Dexter Lawrence uh, face mask penalty on the field goal. That might even be a backbreaker. Yeah, but I mean, special teams like coverage and returns were were pretty good. Yeah, the the punt so, teams I mean, were definitely good. Yeah, so if we want to talk about things that are improving, those are that's on my list. Note that stood out to me. How about the pass rush? Three sacks on Josh Allen today. A guy who likes to run out of the pocket. He was flushed out far more than he was sacked. But <sighs> I told you going into this game that getting him on the ground was going to be tough. This pass rush this week versus what we saw last week where there wasn't a sniff of a person around Dak Prescott. It's a whole new ball game. If you had... I don't want to say if you had Dak back there, but if you had Tom Brady in that in the pocket the way the Giants had been collapsing it today, you would have had five to six sacks on the day. Five to six sacks in a game is a good stat. I think it was spotty and inconsistent. I mean, for... Sure. The, the increased pressure we did see... We're talking about improvement. Uh, we yeah. haven't seen a pass rush on this on this defense. When? When have we seen them be, you know, take over a game? Since they had... OCU Manura? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess if you're measuring by it, we saw some improvement from last week. I'd put that in there. I would still say that... It needs to keep getting better. It's still substandard. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'll give you that one. I mean... These little things are what we need to keep looking on, and we need to see how that measures up next week. You know, how did the pass rush go from week to week? Is it back to week one? Is it around in between? Is that where they really belong? Are they actually even better? Are they still getting it figured out? It, you know, it's, it's all possible. You know, is Barkley getting hit in the backfield at all anymore? Are there holes opening up? Is the running game, you know, really taking over games? And... For the record, I expect that the passing game to improve when Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard come back, when you have some legitimate targets out there. You have to chuck part of your playbook when you don't have receivers. Sure. Or guys that just aren't prepared. TJ Jones was signed off the street. He knew the preseason playbook. Yeah. Which is to say he knows the vocabulary and some vanilla plays. 
Right. If we're saying we're not ready to put Daniel Jones out there because he doesn't know the playbook, these guys don't know anything. You know, give him a couple of basic patterns and say go. That's you no, know, that's not going to cut it in the NFL. They don't have the. It's like one thing if it's college, you these guys just have superior physical talent right. over their competition. Guess what? This is the NFL. This is the best everybody's, of the best. Everybody's got talent. And quite frankly, if you were signed off the street, your talent is already probably a little bit less than the talent that you're going up against. Exactly. So, so I mean, that's kind of it for this game. You know, I touched on stars and farts. Barkley, TJ Jones, Marcus Golden, I have his stars. Farts, DeAndre Baker, I touched on. Uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence face back mask penalty, I think, might have been a backbreaker for a game that could have still been competitive maybe at that point. But in general, is inexcusable at that point. Um, you know, you the Giants the, lost twenty. Coaching in this game, do you think uh, Sherman did a better job than last week? Um, I think they 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 knew that they should have run the ball a little bit more last week. You know, they have a first drive where there are five plays, all five of which were running plays, all for big yardage. Um, I think that was a little bit better. I mean, there's still things. I mean, we, there was sort of a dry spot in the middle there. We continue to run these plays with small little crossing patterns for about one to two yards. And I don't know what is to expect from that. I, I know that maybe that's altered due to the wide receivers on the roster, but, you know, it's, it's, it is frustrating to see because it's not going to work no matter who you trout out there. But you one mean, of the bigger things for you me... You weren't the guy yelling, oh, throw a slant, throw a slant, throw a slant every play? Um, I, one of the bigger things for me, and this this always grates on my nerves, is throwing the challenge flag on a non-challengeable play. I think a coach should know that if you and I know that. Yeah. Um, and and that came in on a sack of Josh Allen, which was blown dead while he was still standing. He let go of the ball, and you know everybody wanted it to be a fumble. And I understand, but if you don't know the forward progress rule by now, I, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't know when the whistle blows, the play's over. Yeah. I mean, and and for for those of you who are saying, well, they you know they'll review defensive pass interference, but they won't change that to be a reviewable call. No, because if the whistle blows, people stop playing. That is why that rule is in place. It's not during the play. It's not. It, it's it completely alters the way the the ending happens. Josh Allen doesn't let go of that ball if the whistle isn't blown. It's just to give up on the play at that point. So, you know, I, I dislike that. That I mean, I know it's kind of minor, but it does rub me the wrong way when a coach doesn't know that. It reminds me of um, last weekend, the Oregon game. Uh, Justin Herbert got injured. Then they thought that they could, you know, he has to come out for a play or something, and so they trotted out their backup quarterback there, and then he kind of let the clock wind down, and then they called timeout, and they thought that they could put in Justin Herbert again after that, but they can't, so they put him back out there, and then they, they had to use a second timeout. And, you know, just not knowing the rules from a coaching standpoint, I, I'm uncomfortable with. But overall, the game plan, yeah, I think was better. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything egregious that kind of like, what is this guy doing? I think, uh, again, our, our armchair coaches sitting around us expected we should just be throwing bombs every single play, even though we're only down. Oh, oh, but two, but, but Barkley's supposed to get the ball more. Ten minutes left. 
the right. the dichotomy of making sure that Barkley touches the ball because he's the best playmaker, but also we're down by two touchdowns with three quarters of a game left. We should be throwing Hail Marys. I think Barkley should have 50 touches a game. Yeah. You're that one today. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I didn't, but I did. <laughs> All right, Grump. It's been a long weekend. Uh, any final thoughts? No, that's it. Um, hang in there. Look, I know it's not easy to to, to watch a, a kid learn to walk, but that's what we are signed up for. If you don't want to watch a kid learn to walk, no one is forcing you to watch. You can just check the scores and read some blogs after the game. You could also save me a lot of – I mean, you're the ones looking like idiots, so it, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. And hey, if, if you are just fed up and you want to take a break for the rest of the year or the year after, go ahead. I mean, that's your that is your God-given right if you don't want to, you know, go through the aggravation and pain of this. But 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 if you do want to um, tell me I'm wrong or you know whatever, go ahead and present your best arguments on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. I am always at the cranky fan where I am physically and mentally exhausted after this weekend with. Uh, Florida Gator football and New York Giants football and Rays playoff race. I, I need to get some sleep. It's been a long weekend, but uh, we were here. We're here on Twitter for you guys. Anytime we will probably be identifying ridiculous tweets and responding to them to make sure other people realize how foolish some people are and try to keep people on balance and with proper perspective because that's what we're trying to do. So we want our goal and. One of the reasons why we do this show, other than get our frustrations out so our wives don't have to deal with it, is that we want to have smart giant fans around us. People we talk to, interact with, sit with at games, hang out with at the bar. Just hearing stuff, people parrot from what they hear from idiots on TV and on Twitter. This doesn't make you sound very smart. And we just want to make sure that, you know, we're not saying we're smarter geniuses, but. You know, we know when we hear bullshit, and we want to kind of keep the bullshit to a minimum. And for more of your bullshit-free listening, the podcast is available for free. If you follow us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podbean, you name it, that's where it is. No bullshit. Wherever you guys are getting your, your podcast from and you subscribe to, just do it that way and – and do us a big favor if you could give us a five-star rating and a, a happy review. I know this is not a very happy time to be a Giant fan, but if you are happy listening to our little program, our venting space, you know, please put a note out there. So uh, you know, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more Giant fans we get to talk to. So Yeah, and tell your friends too. Word of mouth goes tell a long way. Tell your Giant fans too also. You know, people that uh, – can see more of the forest in the trees. That's who we want to talk to. Because if you're going to come to us and say, Daniel Jones to start tomorrow, quite frankly, we don't want you going, listening to us. So <laughs> you're a lost cause. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.